Episode 118, Don Cates. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners. So one of my best friends and business partners, Allison Martin, raves about this client and leader, Don Cates. I've heard about him for years, and I am so excited to have him on the show today. He recently received a big award for his leadership, particularly because of his mentoring skills. So we're going to tap into that and talk about his passion for mentorship and coaching. Don Cates is the president and CEO of Three Rivers Federal Credit Union. Let's go. Don, welcome to Gut Plus Science. I know you are passionate about mentoring and coaching, and you must really practice what you preach with the recent award you received because of your great mentorship. So congratulations, by the way. Why do you think coaching and mentoring skills are something that all leaders, really all humans, should prioritize learning and consistently sharpening? One, I first, I like the sharpening, kind of the seven habits of sharpening the saw. I think that's that's really the basis for coaching and mentoring. And, and what we should be doing is really developing ourselves, working on ourselves and doing that in everyday life. So I, I think it's important to me, I, I subscribe to two things, uh, self-awareness and intentionality. And coaching and mentoring fit really well into that because you got to know who you are. Uh, you got to know about yourself and then where you see gaps and where you see that you need to get better, you need to be intentional about doing those things. So whether that is as the mentor, the mentee, the coach, uh, the coach E, it's really understanding where you can get better and developing that. So when you, Jim Rohn has uh, the comment, we are the average of the five people we're closest to. And that does not promote growth quite often, right? Because the five people we're closest to are probably very much like us, unless you're very aware and intentional about seeking different perspectives and seeking different people in our lives. But that's not that's not typically what, what the case is. So if we're the average of the five people closest to us, those people are also probably very much like us. And so that just promotes sameness, not newness. And newness is where growth and development and self-learning and and really getting uncomfortable. That's where that happens. So it is important because I think it's important for us to be intentional about our own growth. Absolutely. So, you know, we're really honing in on this episode today around excellence and leadership and excellent leaders are great mentors and great coaches. And, you know, those two terms or traits overlap, but they are different. I'd love for you to talk to us about the difference between coaching and mentoring and maybe share some examples about, you know, how you do that and the differences or people on your team and what that looks like. So I, I, I'm not going to be able to Webster you uh, on the exact difference between coaching and mentoring. I, to me, the difference is some structural differences. One, you know, coaching is more hierarchical, uh, where it is more of a, an assignment of boss, uh, employee, leader, team member, where maybe you don't have the choice. You, you've done it because of a hierarchy been put together. Mentoring is more optional. It's more choice. Going back to how we opened up is is where do I need to get better? Who can I go engage to help me grow and, and challenge myself to, to grow and learn? So that's probably the, the core is, is the positional uh, factors that go in between coaching and mentoring. But other than that, there is also 
a lot of similarities, a lot of crossovers, a lot of same same um, techniques and the same reasons why we do things. So coaching to me is a daily thing. It, it is in the moment. It is taking what has had happened, either a process or something that, that just occurred and challenging the coachee on, is that what you wanted to have happen? What could be better? It, it is in the moment, interaction and dialogue. Uh, mentoring is more planned uh, and more future focused. So one's kind of more in the moment. The other one is more future focused. One is more getting better at doing something. Mentoring, I think, is getting better at being you. But how you do it, the dialogues and the conversations and the challenging, I think, is, is very similar. I used to coach basketball, uh, high school basketball, girls high school basketball. And when I did that, I was a lay coach, which means I wasn't an employee of the school. So uh, I volunteered my time. And and so coaching, <laughs> anybody that's been a coach or maybe you've been a parent of a, of a kid who's had coach Parents are the biggest problem <laughs> most of the time in, in dealing with parents. And so I would have a meeting before the season started. I said, if you want to come talk to me about your daughter's playing time or what, what the progress is, I will do that at any time you want, to, you want to sit down and talk to me. But the first thing we do when we sit down is we're going to look at film together. So we're seeing the same thing. And I can talk to you about what I'm seeing. You can talk to me what you're seeing. But we're going to, we're going to view it through the same lens. And... By doing that and them knowing that that's how we were going to do it, I never had to <laughs> meet with any parents because they knew we were going to have that commonality. Like, we're going to we're going to assess and, and and look at where your daughter is performing and what I see when she's out on the court. We're going to look at that together. And I think that's that's what I always loved that about coaching. I love that about film session. But it was kind of in the moment. What did you see here? What did you? What was the plan here? Uh, what else could we have done viewing this through a replay? And so I love that about coaching, but it also saved me a lot of angry parents as well. I couldn't agree more about your comments around managing the parents uh, on those fields. It is such a challenging thing sometimes and coaching skills are loud and proud in those environments too. So thank you for sharing that. Let's uh, break some of this down. So coaching and excellence in leadership. What's the first word that comes to mind when you think of great coaches, especially in the workplace that you've worked alongside, that you work alongside now, what word comes to mind around excellence in coaching? I'm going to say a word that's the antonym probably to, to that. I think failure is what, I, what, what comes to my mind when I think of excellent coaching. And it is, it is promoting failure. It's pushing to failure. Uh, it is recognizing the, the benefit of failure in, in those who were coaching. Right. If we really want to push those that we care about, that we work with and want them to be better and really want to push them outside their comfort area, we got to be comfortable with their failure and they have to be comfortable with their failure. And the most important of that, especially if the coach is also a, in a leadership position, they need to be comfortable with your comfortability of them failing. I tell a story. I have a, I have a great leader that as the most caring leader that I think I have. And, and she was sharing a story that she was coaching somebody. This wasn't a direct report, but she was coaching an individual and he was struggling and, and was really kind of falling behind on a project and was really taking a lot of pressure on himself and, and, and working beyond what anybody knew. Uh, and she said, why, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you taking so much uh, of this all upon yourself? We got a whole team here. And he really put that pressure. It was, a, it was an opportunity and he didn't want to fail 
And she shared, I really build him up. You know, I give him a lot of attaboys and you can do it. And I was trying to be inspiring. I said, that's really, really good. And I said, what I would challenge you in your coach is understand what it is that, that's causing the pressure and what it is that's causing that fear. And I said, take them to the place of failure. If this doesn't work, what's that going to look like? And have him articulate that because people sometimes conjure up fear and not really know what that fear is. They don't name it. I said, so tell him to explain to you if this just totally goes off the rails, what does that look like? And then go stand there beside him. And so as he's explaining, well, this is going to happen and this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Then what you do, instead of the attaboys prior to it, said, you know what? If this happens and this is where we are, and I emphasize this is where we are, you and I, in this crap show of a failure there's nobody I'd rather be here with to get us out of here than you. And the pressure goes off, right? So I'm not going to get fired. There's not going to be disappointment. There's going to be support. You're going to be here by me. And you want to be here with me? Failure's gone. Or the fear's gone. The failure's still there. The fear's gone. And that's what keeps people from doing it is what's it going to look like when we get there? Coaching is like, okay, let's go there. Let's don't protect people. I'm not going to put that in, you know, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to protect them. I don't want them to experience that because I wouldn't want to experience that. That's where they're going to grow. And oftentimes people will challenge me or, or say, you know what? You just let things play out. Why do you let them do that? And the only time they come to me is when there's failure that they say that. And I said, well, one, I don't know everything. And two, you're bringing this to me because we had a failure. Right. This did not go as well as you believed it would did not go as well as what this person. And if you came to me and said, hey, did you think that was going to work? I probably would have said, nope, I don't think that's going to work at all. And so your your challenge back to me is why did you let it happen? Because they came across, they came and sat down in front of me and say, hey, I want to try this. And as I get older, I realize more and more that me telling them how wise I am really doesn't work. So I can say, well, you know. I wouldn't do that because I've done that in the past. Here's what I've learned. I'm going to protect you and the benevolence of myself. Be good that I've saved you from yourself. They're not going to get up and, and leave and walk out the door and think, man, that case is brilliant. I, you know, he just saved me. I learned so much from that. They're going to walk out the door and like, he doesn't know I would do it differently. He didn't do it like me. And so they didn't really learn anything outside of I didn't trust him to fail. And so let him go out. Let them do that. Stand beside them when it happens and coach them through the failure, not the path to it. And they're going to sit there and go, I learned, right? I learned from this. And I said, the last part of that, you're bringing me the failures. I said, so out of the 10 times that I let things play out that I didn't think was going to work, nine of them did, right? I was wrong on nine of them. They did do it better. They did know more. They did put more energy. They they, they took a different approach than what I would have did. So 90% of the time, when I would have said no, it worked out perfectly. You're coming to me with the one time that it didn't, and it still worked out perfectly, even though it was a failure. It's such powerful verbiage, something you said, and I just want to note it, is using we in coaching as a coach, and then your coachee, we're in this together, and that versus you, right? We, I think it's just such powerful verbiage for everyone to consider, and I really love that you said that. And the word you chose, failure, is so powerful. And I want to take us to kind of bridge what you were sharing earlier about the parents of the kids while you were coaching. And you said setting the expectation was the key. And I think setting expectation for failure as a 
positive in the workplace is so important. And I'd love to know how do you think excellent leaders do that well to set it up so that people don't shy away or don't hide when there is a failure situation going on and they really do embrace that as a positive. How do you think great leaders do that? So what we do at the credit union, we, we speak, we talk this. And, and so you have to over talk it. You, you won't ever achieve quite to the level you talk. So we talk about doing 2X and 4X. If you want to do, if we want to do anything, we want to double growth. We want to double uh, the number of projects we do, whatever it is, if we want to double it, which is how we want to perform, then what you got to do is you don't do doubling activities. You do quadrupling activities, realizing you're going to fail half the time. And so you can have a 50% failure rate and still double, but you got to be bigger than doubling ideas. You got to have quadrupling ideas. We also subscribe and talk often about the Amazon approach of, of going at 80%. You know, Amazon will vet an idea, uh, a new process or, or a new product or service and take it to 80% of where they think it should be and they roll it out. And because they're going to learn in the rollout much more so than trying to make it perfect. And we, we, we can be better, believe me. But if you can be consistent in that languaging and how you approach stuff, people sit there and go, okay, I think they really do. They really do mean that. They really are okay with failure. And oftentimes people say, well, how do you know you're doing it enough? It is really the number of failures. So, man, we're failing a lot. Well, you're probably pushing the right buttons, right? You're probably doing it. You know, if you kind of have that two to one success to failure ratio, uh, it's like, man, we're not failing. We're really not failing that often. You're not pushing hard enough. You know, you're not going at 80%. You're not doubling. You're not doing quadrupling ideas. So if you, if you realize in your, in your own internal success metrics, there aren't very many failures. You're not pushing hard enough. There's more in, in you. There's more in your team in, in what they can do and what they, they believe they can do. Someone told me a long time ago, leader in my life, and I can't, I can't put my finger on it, might be my coach, said, if you can take failure and partner it with forward, that's how to set the tone is, you know, we aren't you know, setting the tone that like, hey, just show up and fail today. But to fail forward, meaning that that failure is something that you're giving it your best. You're, do, you're doing what you know is is the best that could be done. And then learning from it, fail forward. And I've just always had that in my vocabulary. So I, I love all that you're illustrating because that's just what's coming to mind. And I want to shift over to mentoring now because I know that that's a huge part of your life. And Throughout your entire organization, you really encourage mentorship and you shared with us, you know, a little bit about the difference of, you know, planning for the future with mentoring, like it's skill advancement, transfer of knowledge of skill and others teaching peers and teaching others. So if you were to think of one word that stands out for excellence and mentorship, what would that be? I would say questions. I think where I've gotten the most out of mentoring and where I hope I, I provide the most out of mentoring is just asking really, really good questions. And because most times mentoring relationships, you don't have necessarily the, the time and the experience to really know the answers. And sometimes you do, and you ask the question anyway, to see if they know the answer, but it's really just challenging by questions. What do you think would be better? What, what else could you do? What, who else could you bring in there? Who could you collaborate? So it's really just bringing a series of, questions to it, to, to the mentee, for them to think more, think differently and bring a different approach. So most of my mentoring sessions, I just, I have a list of questions, uh, much like you're doing with me today. And, and you just kind of see where it goes and, and, and make it very organic that way. 
Yes, absolutely. So let's take this into like real life scenario for our leader listener audience that loves to practice one-on-one meetings with their people to build relationships and help them advance. How can you, you know, just provide some mentorship to these leaders on questions that are powerful for mentoring opportunities versus maybe questions that are just check the box questions? One thing about mentoring, I think, is another difference between coaching is is mentoring should uh, have the ability you, you plan more. Like again, coaching the not I always had a coach plan and everything, but it was very time specific. Mentoring, I think, whether as a mentor, you need to have some planning time, and and often when it's all again series of questions, it, it may be give me an update. What what did, what have you been working on? What have you been really, what would excite you about what you've done? What, what would you wish you could have done things differently? Uh, but it's really just kind of to spark that conversation and get people talking. But it needs to be very big, very big, very high level questions. And I think oftentimes people try to get too specific, you know, in their mentoring is, you know, give me one thing that you would have done. You know, be big. And because you want to be the bigger, the whole person. And, and it really is just sparking, starting the dialogue. So people, Again, you want people to be aware of who they are and what the gaps are, because now there's a lot better mentors than I am that can that can really help and spot that can see that just from that dialogue. I want them to self-discover because I'm not smart enough to figure it out, quite honestly. So I want the I want the, my mentee to self-discover that and to bring it, say, you know, and, and ask me questions about, do you think that would be something really good for me to do? Yes. Yes, I absolutely think that would be something. And so, you know, it's not my plan. You know, it's not it's not my resolution. They kind of come up with it through questions. And I'm uh, notorious for answering questions with questions. And I think that that's also key in, in a mentoring relationship, too. So, again, what else do you want to know? And what else do you think they want to know about themselves? You're not going to tell them that. They need to figure that out. So just continually to challenge them in in your questioning and in your dialogues. I'm curious because I think you've done this pretty well at Three Rivers. Scaling coaching and mentoring programs is a challenge for a lot of people. You know, it's like one department or one location is doing this and then somebody else is doing that. And I think it's okay in some cases, but, you know, to be able to scale coaching and mentoring as a learning development initiative for an organization. What have you learned on how to do that? So I think it's, it's taking away excuses and oftentimes not having a, a uniformity or conformity across resource centers and everything. It's just an excuse. It just gets in the way. Uh, so I, I think when we use our the engagement entering, it, it provides a foundation and takes away, oh, well, we don't have this. We don't have this. You just got to start, right? Take away the excuses. What's getting in our way and fixing that and let's go. We offer mentoring outside, mentoring with anybody in our company. We have 500 people plus or minus within our company. We have about 40 to 50 at any one time that's using mentoring. And there's people that come and go. They get, they, they seek it. They get what they sought. And then they go out of the program. We have some always that are in it. We have always mentees. We have always mentors. We, we I encourage if you're going to go in and be and take from the program, you need to be a mentor. And, and, and people say, well, who can I be a mentor to? You know, I'm young in my career. Like there's college students, right? So give back what you're taking from it. It never fails. People will say, I get just as much, if not more so, from being an or 
than being an E because I can, I ask myself the same questions that I ask my mentee, you know, I should have that mindset. I should change my and have a greater growth mindset than a fixed mindset. Uh, I could, or if you, if it's a manager leader, ah, I could be asking my own team these questions. And, And I shared with you, Nikki, that when I was going through this, I, for the last couple mentees that I've had, they've been the same age as my, as my daughter. And I realized in going through that, I got a lot out of my, I learned about, you know, some generational differences. I learned about motivations and, and what inspires and drives younger people. And I'm like, these people are the same age as my daughter. And I, and I really didn't learn that from her. So we, we started our own mentoring. It's very structured. It's just like any other mentoring. So it isn't dad, daughter. It is mentor, mentee. There's homework. We have a, a set time. And I've gotten, can't tell you how much I've gotten out of that. That's just been tremendous, but it was kind of an aha moment. It's like, why would you not share this with your own kid? Much like when managers do it, why wouldn't I do these types of questionings, this type of dialogue with the people that I work with every day? And so it's really just providing a platform and some big, broad parameters uh, on how to do this and realize I could do this in a lot of places. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the platform does a great thing of just giving us some structure, but not overstructure. So we, we talk about at Three Rivers, we do not have a management training program. Our management training program is called Wednesday, and then it's called Thursday, and then it's called Friday. One, I don't think can see into the future to know 20 years from now, you know, this group of 10 is going to be the leaders that we need. So why why pull those out, segregate? Why, why not provide the same opportunity that you would in any management leadership program, provide it to everybody? and then really let them see who's going to take it. And and we do it as a self-serve, right? We do not assign people to this. It is Jenny Long, who runs our branches, you know, come up with the term own your D and it's entirely on them on what they learn and what they do and and how they want to participate. Uh, We don't, we don't prescribe it. And so when somebody has the ability or the opportunity to take a, you know, gets gets an advancement, uh, and somebody that's right beside him didn't. It's like, hey, how's come? You know, why did Nikki get that promotion? It's like, well, Nikki grew and learned and developed herself, and, and we saw in what she was doing. Well, what was she did? Well, she did mentoring. She, you know, she went to lunch and learn. She did those things. Well, I, you didn't tell me I had to. You didn't have to. Neither did she. And so, you know, it, it doesn't demoralize those who weren't picked and the ones who work by not having a management trainee and you've been anointed the future manager. Everybody's it's a live training program every day. So you mentioned engage mentoring, which is a tool or a technology that has helped with structure. Feel free to elaborate on that if you'd like, or any tools and why the importance of having tools in support of excellence that you can use to really do coaching and mentoring at the best level. So with engage mentoring, it, it was really two tools. It is the platform as you, as you, accurately described it is it is the opportunity to go out and choose mentors outside of our organization right and so the last mentee that I had actually worked for Panera Bread uh, and was in St. Louis Missouri so you know it's not within within the company and so sometimes there's, there's a benefit to that is to get an outside perspective again the five people that, that we're closest to and, and really say you know what and I challenge people when they go find a mentor, look for a mentor, get somebody that's not you, not somebody that's like you. You've got that. You've got you've pretty well figured out what you don't know is what the not you is. And so go fix somebody that's really going to push you. That's going to that's going to tell you things and, and challenge you in ways that you've not been done before. 
And sometimes you got to go outside your, your own company, outside your own state to find that person. So I think that's the cool part about it. it, it the, the wealth of mentors that are out there and, and the engagement is short enough that I can get a piece and, and learn from it. I can grow from it. I can continue it if we both agree. But if not, you know, I got I got something from that. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go. I'm going to go find somebody else. So that platform allows that. But then it also gives training on how to be a good mentor. What are some of the questions like you asked me? What are some of the questions that how do I start? I've never done it before. So it's support as the mentor, as the mentee. It's it provides the resources and, and the people out there to mentor you. So it's really on both sides. It's it's a great structure for both sides of that relationship. I think tools are so important to come alongside us. And the challenge is narrowing down which ones do we choose? Because there's so many great ones out there to help us with our people first leadership journey. So thank you for sharing engagement mentoring. Don, who has been the most profound mentor in your life? Give them a shout out and tell us about that journey. I struggle with this question. I get asked this question a lot. And as huge of a proponent as I am for mentoring, you would think the list would be long. And quite honestly, it isn't. That's not that's not a sad story. It's not a failure. It is. It's the reason why I'm such a big proponent for it. I've learned more on what not to do from folks. And you can do that. Right. I can learn from any situation as long as you're open to learning is open to say, would I've done that? How how would I have done that different? Why would I have done that differently? So I've learned from a lot of people, true mentoring, long term mentoring. I really have. Uh, I've had some really good people that I've worked for. They've been pretty good coaches, but true long-term mentoring I haven't had uh, in my life. And again, where I've learned the most, and he'll, <laughs> I tell him all the time because he'll say, well, you know, you're successful because of me. I said, I'm, I'm successful in spite of you. But we, we, we joke about it because I was like, I, I don't, you're you and I'm me and, and I've learned I can't do what you did. And he's like, well, as long as you learned. Uh, and there's some truth to that. There's some absolute truth. Yep. And another example of how failure helps us learn, because many times we can learn from experiences with other people on what we don't want to take and put in our toolbox, like, you know, learning from another mentor that may work for them, that style, but it didn't work for us and it didn't stick. And so another example of, you know, it was quote unquote, a failure on how it applied to you, but it was a tool in your box to say, that's not what I want to do and how I show up as a mentor. So thank you for illustrating that. Before we transition over to our lightning round, Don, please talk about how coaching and mentoring shows up and how you and your team serve your clients. So our mission is to help our members with their money matters every day. And we do that through financial wellness. Financial wellness to us is allowing and the walk beside our members in their journey. There's four components, and I'm not going to get into it, but there's four components of financial wellness. Two of two of them is, uh, is really on our members, and two of them is on us. So it's we, we share the weight of financial wellness as we walk together in their in their journey. And the two that we own is, is hope, and it is painting the picture. And so hope, in my opinion, is like coaching, right? It is the moment. It is it is providing inspiration. It is providing as the word says, hope. It provides accountability. It is us following up with them. Hey, you said you were going to have this this done by this time. You know, we're two weeks out from that. Where are we at? So we we know what where they want to go, but we follow up with them. We we send reminders. Sometimes we're the only accountability partner that they have in their life. 
And so we, we hold that very dear and, and hold that very, that responsibility very close. So that's what hope means to us. That's the coaching, right? Hey, you can do this. Remember why we're doing this. And then painting the picture is the mentoring. Where do you want to go? What goals do you have? Not for tomorrow, not for the end of this week. What are lifetime goals? You know, do you want to work your entire life? I don't know. I never really thought about that. Or do you never want to retire? Do you want, do you want to, whatever that is, have them think bigger picture, longer term future in painting the picture. And then what we come in and say, hey, here's, a, here's how we can do that. And it is also really the developing of the person like mentoring is. And so here's what you're going to have to do. And if you do this, here's how you're going to feel. It's really always boiling back down to feel. As being in the industry, we always talk and think that it's all about a zero on a loan statement or a big, big number with lots of commas on a, on a checking account or a bank statement, whatever that is. People don't think that way, right? They think about how I feel if I achieve that. Their goal, lots of times, are experiential. I want to be able to take my kids to Disneyland. Okay, how can we help you get there? And how will you feel when you get there? And then we kind of get derailed. We got to go, we got to, we got to roll it back. I'm like, hey, remember why we were going to do this? Remember why that was your goal? How that's going to make you feel taking your grandkids or your kids? You know, why are we doing this? Yep, that's why we're doing it. And so sometimes we have to paint the picture of success and paint the picture of not being successful. So we, so we make the choice. You know, sometimes not doing that does not the choice of, not doing is just we've not chosen to do it. So we have to paint both sides of it. So we have so we're active in in what we're moving forward. So that's how we that's how we use it from a financial wellness is from coaching and kind of mentoring from the hope uh, and painting the picture. And then and again internally is how we actually do a true mentoring program. And I think we can take and apply what you're doing with your clients around hope and painting a picture. And you know if we're doing that as leaders to help our people our employees to have that hope, right? And how this platform of the workplace and the work you're doing here helps. And then the vision for your future. How does this workplace help you? You know, it's it's just so applicable and just, this has been excellent. I do think we could talk another hour as I have been very selective on my questions. Actually, I have lots more. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a future episode in the works. I don't know. So thank you for mentoring us today. Going back to uh, when you brought up you know, the mentoring program and, and, and how important that is. We, we think it's too hard. We always think it, it's got to be harder. Uh, it's got to be more complicated than what it is. During COVID, uh, I've shared this with my team. We do outreaches, you know, where you couldn't really go visit or you couldn't stop in. You had to do, you know, an instant message or, or a, 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 a Zoom call or whatever it is. And I started asking be, just because of Everything was going on in the world, whether it's COVID and the social unrest, everything was going on in the world. I started asking people if they were happy. Now, because it comes from me being the CEO, their framework was that that is work happy, right? Not just general happy, it's work happy. And it could be, but it wasn't specific to that, but that's how they answered. And it really comes down to two things. People are happy at work if there's only two things. And it is one is there, are they growing and learning? And number two, are they making an impact? Is that that's an impact on our for us on our membership? That's impact on their team. That's the impact on the organization. It's just those two things. That's all it is. Are you growing and learning, and are you impacting? And the great thing about mentoring and coaching, it does both, right? You're sharing your time, which is the most precious of resources, 
and helping other people grow and learn, which is going to make them happy. And, and, and by default, it makes you happy because you now are also impacting. The world is simple. Don't make it too hard. And that is employee engagement at its finest right there. Are we helping people learn, grow, and develop in the workplace? And are we helping them to make an impact that they feel every day in the work that they do? Great cliff notes right there, Dawn. We're going to transition over to our lightning round in just a moment, but we'll take a quick break for our sponsor message today. We'll be right back. Gut Plus Science has just joined the People Forward Network. Gut Plus Science has been on a journey for three and a half years, and we got inspired to create a global podcast network that captures the most incredible efforts of people-first leaders and humans working on a meaningful mission. We believe that the workplace is the largest mission field for change, and the People Forward Network is the largest community of humans on a shared journey to live life full of meaning. We'd love for you to join the People Forward Network. There are all kinds of new shows and existing shows coming together under one umbrella to bring you the best content as a community on a mission. Can't wait for you to join us. See the link to peopleforwardnetwork.com in the show notes. All right, we're on Gut Plus Science with Don Cates. It's been a wonderful episode today around coaching and mentoring in the workplace and just how we can be excellent leaders with those skills around coaching and mentoring. So really enjoyed the conversation. And now we do our lightning round where it just helps us to get to know our guests a little bit better and learn some of your favorite things that all of us can take and maybe apply to our lives. So Don, what is your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read? Favorite book of all time is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. My recent read was Think Again by Adam Grant. And, and again, kind of goes back to the self-awareness and intentionality. Don't, don't think you got it all figured out. We always have to kind of challenge. Am I, am I, is my thinking right? Is my thinking correct? And, and how will I know? Both I would highly recommend, but Dare to Lead is my favorite. Reference it often. What is your favorite hobby when you're not working? So I really don't have a hobby. Uh, I do work a lot because I enjoy my work, not because, you know, this is what all workaholics probably say, but I don't think I'm a workaholic. I just enjoy it so much. Uh, and, and I got to work on it. So, you know, whether it's reading, whether it's periodicals, um, conferences, whatever it is, I work on my craft. And so that's probably my hobby. I'm either working or working on my work, not working in it, but working on it. So that would be my hobby outside of that. not to be a total square. I enjoy life, right? I, and so I, my wife, we love going out to eat. Uh, I, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy a good drink. I enjoy a cigar. I enjoy time with the with my friends on the lake. So it's really just enjoying life and enjoying people around me in my life. And how about a favorite vacation spot to do all those fun things? My family uh, over December every year for, well, for the last four or five years, we've been going to Clearwater uh, we just found a place that, that we like there, that now we're comfortable and we know know things that are going on. So we're, we have a familiarity there. And it's just spending time with family over Christmas. Now, it's not very Christmassy, you know, like we have in, in the Midwest, you know, palm trees Christmas. I would have never thought that would have been my thing. But we realized, you know, outside of the reason for the celebration is, is really about spending time with your family. And that, that, that provides that for us. And Don, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? You're more than welcome to email me at, at, at work. It's dkates at trfcu dot org. Dkates at trfcu dot uh, org, uh, or, or connect with me on LinkedIn. 
And if you are in the mentoring, uh, engage mentoring, uh, I think I'm open. I probably need to go check that after we're here, uh, but I think I have time. So uh, through engage mentoring, if you're looking for a mentor, I think I'm open right now. Awesome episode today with Don Cates. Ellison, you didn't let me down. He is an awesome leader. Here's my truth you can act on. Number one, promoting failure as a positive is excellence in coaching. Setting expectations that healthy failure or failing forward, meaning we do our best and then we learn from our mistakes to get better, is a game changer to your culture and business results. Number two, use we in your coaching powerful verbiage. You and your coachee are in this together and it's psychologically safe verbiage to say, we we're working on this adventure or these challenges together. Just so powerful. Number three, consider how you are scaling mentorship and coaching in your organization. What tools are you leveraging to help all experience great mentorship and coaching experiences? And how are you communicating these programs internally? We can all get better at scalability of our learning and development initiatives. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.